from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is Friday. The 23rd of February, and I hope you're looking for a big weekend of relaxing fun, maybe some skiing, who knows, and getting some work ahead for the next week. I have an absolutely fantastic show for you today. You know, you know, I love the niches, the riches in the niches, and I have a guest who is in a niche of a niche, but boy, I love the idea. Our first guest is on Lee Tompery, interesting Dutch name, I think, almost like Anne, the first name. She is a book coach. Coach. So if you want to be a book coach, a coach for publishing and authors and all of that, she teaches you how to do that, how to be a book coach. I love the idea of a book coach coach, and she is very impressive. So I'm excited for you to meet her. After that, Dustin Baker is with us. He is a health bio entrepreneur having some really cool success, and you're going to enjoy him as well. Next week on the show, we've got some really great stuff for uh, all you speakers who want to learn the speaking business. We have uh Two or three interviews coming up on that. We have some machine learning experts next week, digital marketing, and some other great stuff. Treasure hunt, sales method, a lot of stuff coming up in the next week or so. So we appreciate you being with us and learning how to be an incredible entrepreneur. So I have this ongoing situation that I have told you about. I want to give you an update. I have a friend who is currently facing some 55 federal indictments. He is the most honest man I know. And the situation is that he's a CPA and was doing the taxes for a lot of people who were buying conservation easements. And he was also selling conservation easements. A conservation easement, it's a little fishy. I mean, it doesn't sound great, but there's a but, and I'll give you that in a second. A conservation easement, I, as my understanding is, and I ha- hope I have the names right, it's a complicated story. You buy a piece of land. You draw up plans to develop the land and build a gorgeous hotel there. Now the land is more valuable because it has plans. It has a purpose. It's going to have a beautiful hotel. At that point, you then decide to give it to a conservation movement so that the land will never be developed. You then take a tax write-off, not for the 100000 that you bought the land for, but for the million that the land supposedly would be worth if you built the hotel. The hotel is not built, but you take a tax deduction on the million dollars that you gave away quote unquote, you didn't really give it away. You really gave away a hundred thousand dollars. 
in the way I describe it, that sounds kind of iffy. Here's the but. The federal government let it happen for 25 years. People who were doing it were audited, and they didn't get in trouble. They got their refunds. They got these huge deductions for 25 years, and then they changed the rule and then started prosecuting people who had done it when it was okay. My friend has gotten trapped in that. You know, all I say is for entrepreneurs is I want to know what the rules of the game are. That's what I want. And don't change the rules. Tell me the rules and I will go play. If you want to make it difficult with socialism in Canada, I'll still go play. But I got to know what the rules are and you can't change them halfway through the game. So anyway, the update is the trial was supposed to happen here soon and it's been postponed for six months because the state, the feds, haven't been able to get their case together. They've already had several trials, but supposedly there are some issues and timing and all of this. Docket's full, and now it's been bumped off to September. My friend is living in hell for three years now because the government changed the rules in the middle of the game. That's not fair. Sucks. Anyway, I got it off my chest now. We will get started with our great show in just a minute. Thank you for being with us. School for Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. You know, I have always said that there are riches in the niches, and that if you can find a niche, that you will do very well. I'm really excited to introduce you to my first guest today. She has certainly found a niche. Please welcome... On Lee Tompery. She is French Belgian, but living in Singapore now with her family and has a business where she is coaching coaches on writing books, is the way I understand it. On, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Perfect, Jim. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you so much for inviting me. And you perfectly understood it. Okay. So I am a business coach and I help people get their books published. Is that right? Okay. And then I would hire you to help me grow my business. Is that, do I have all the players and pieces? No, 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 no. no. So actually I, you've got it right. I am a business coach, um, but I'm a business coach for the book coach. So uh, if you want to write a book one day, you'll probably hire a book coach. um, But you will work with the book coach. You will not work with me. I don't right, work right. with you. And then the coach works with you. Yes, exactly. Okay. And you help the coach grow their business? Yes, absolutely. Build and sustain their business. Okay. So you understand what I mean when I say niche business, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes. So I, I, I love your idea. My question is, is it a big enough market? for you to, to make money? Is it, it sounds like it's a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, um, it's actually quite a new market. So, um, you know, the, the term book coaches has always been around. Um, the only difference is that beforehand, uh, it was a free 
kind of surveys. You know, you would uh, write your book, you would go to a publisher, and the publisher would really help you to make your book the best it could be. Uh, nowadays, publishing houses no longer offer that kind of service. So, um, but the writer still needs someone to help them to get their book in the best condition. So they're now turning to book coaches. So the only difference we see today is that it's a paying market, um, which means that it, there is a market for book coaches and there's a market for people like me because today not many people are focusing specifically on, on book coaches. So um, it's being, I think it's being like the first one on the market. Okay, excellent. Well, that's a great place to be. Yes, absolutely. Do, and do I love most authors book. need a coach before they get an an agent or a deal. Um, I would say you will have much more chance to have an agent or a publishing house if you have a book that is in the best condition possible. Um, you know, you have the, the, the small details, like you have to present your book in, in the right way, um, or you have to know what publishing house is looking for, for what kind of book. Um, and that can be a very daunting process, and it can be very complicated, especially now that so many people, like everybody wants to write a book, right? Um, so by having a book coach, you're really setting yourself up for chance and for having a better possibility at a good publishing house, a good deal and a good agent. All right. And then how are you going to help the coach? Let's talk about that part. What services do you help them grow in? What areas do they usually have weakness? How do you help their business? Um, So the weakness is generally like niching. So, you know, you, you started right off at saying that, um, book coaches, it seems a very niche. Um, and actually for the book coach, it's the same. When they start out, most think, okay, I have to reach everyone, right? I have to re- reach the nonfiction one who, write, who writes a memoir. And then I have to also be able to work with the person who writes a fantasy book. Um, and that's all completely different genres. Um, so it's first, first most a step of like helping them get over that mindset of saying, okay, Focus on your niche. Define what is really what you're good at. Because most of the book coaches, they have their niche. They are something very specific. And when they get into their zone of genius, um, have found their expertise, what are they really good at? Um, it's such a game changer in their business to really focus on that one and become the best in that area. Um, so that's, a, that, like, that's the biggest problem I would have when they come in. Um, once we solve that problem, it's really about the marketing, um, figuring out what is their really specific um, selling point, like what makes them different from any other book coach. Um, I can maybe give an example, Jim, if you're okay with that. Please. Yeah. So, for example, um, memoir writers. There's so many memoir writers. Like everybody has the impression that they have a great um, story and that they want to write a story. So I get lots of book coaches who tell me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the only one who does a memoir. Like, no, you're not the only one who is coaching memoir writers. There's so many memoir writers out there. But you might be the only one who, for example, focus on youth trauma, who focus on the Vietnam War. Like, I, I've um, recently met a book coach, and she only um, focuses on coaching memoir writers who live the Vietnam War. So you see, it's very, very, very niche. 
Um, but it can be a gold mine if you find that specific niche and you're in there. But of course, once we have to find a niche, we have to do the marketing as well and make sure that you can reach those people as well. And how do you reach authors like that or potential authors, authors to be? Um, it's, well, you know, I always say to the, to the book coach, your people will be where you are. So uh, that there's not a very conventional idea of like, go look where your writers are. Uh, but for example, if you are very much into Facebook, you will find your writers on Facebook. Um, and having that niche, we, we can maybe continue on the example of the Vietnam War. Um, you know, the groups on Facebook on there, uh, their support groups, their conferences, all of that. And there is where you will find um, find your clients. What I really try to do with my coaches is to figure out where are the places no one is. Um, and I, I have another example of that one, if I, if you allow me, Jim. Oh, yes, of course. Examples all day long on. Okay. <laughs> um, so I had a uh, book coach and she focused on thrillers. And so I told her, um, I am sure that there are lots of doctors who will actually be very interested in writing thrillers. So why don't you go to a medical conference and offer them to do a conference on writing thrillers as a doctor, you know, like a networking event or a coffee event. And she said, oh, yeah, I've never thought about it. So she went there. And by the end of her conference, she had already like four clients coming out of there. So that's the whole thing of like finding your niche and then finding your niche marketing and just really leading in completely in what you want to do. That's brilliant. You are absolutely right. I'm a doctor's kid and I married a doctor's kid and every doctor I know reads the same trashy crap thrillers, the Louis L'Amour and the Clive Cussler <laughs> and Robert Ludlum and all of that stuff. Uh, you know what it is? They like books that are very, very repetitive and they, they know how it's going to end long before it ends. And I don't think they're really reading it as much as just relaxing their brain. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, all they're dealing with very gory things, right? So yes, yes. Well, my father, and my father-in-law were number one and number two in their medical school class. And they were oh, smart, they smart guys. Writers. And <laughs> they needed to turn their brains off, you know? And so interesting. And, and none of them ever thought about writing a book. No doctors are doctors. You know, doctors very rarely step outside of that lane. And when they do, they try to invest in stuff that they think will be interesting at parties and usually do really poorly with their investments is what I've, the universal <laughs> things I've seen about doctors. Um, they, they invest the very poorly. Them? They invest on what's sexy, not what, what is smart. So, yeah, we can't blame them. That's not just something that we find with doctors, right? Yes. Yes. All right. So very interesting. Uh, what determines a book coach's success the most? Is it their marketing? Is it the niche? Is it something we haven't talked about? Is it their connections? Uh, that idea of going to the medical conference was absolutely brilliant. I think that, uh, 
if you did a lot of niches like that, that would be successful. What's that? What's oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, no, sorry, I'm I'm interrupting you. No, go ahead. You know what I'm asking? What's the the secret sauce? Oh yes. Um, so the secret sauce uh, is absolutely have strategic time management. Um, like I honestly don't think it's it's difficult to build up a business. Like you know, you have your idea, you know who you're targeting, you're out there. Um, but at one point or another, you're going to have those difficult moments. Um, you know, the first three, six months, you're very motivated because you know exactly uh, what you want to achieve and you're motivated and it's all new and you're, you know, you're on this learning curve. Um, and then suddenly comes a moment where, for example, the clients are not coming in and you're just wondering, okay, you know, am I in the, in the right business? Should I do something different? Um, and in that case, if you have a strategic time management um, system in place. I, I really hate to use the word systems, but it actually always comes back to that thing. Um, it will help you to get over that um, that difficult moment. Um, can I give another example? Oh, yeah. Maybe? Examples will make great radio. Yeah, tell the story. Go. Yes. Yeah. Um, but for example, one of the biggest things I see with my book, which is, is to get clients, right? So, um, but you don't get clients just by one day putting out a Facebook post, and then you hope that the social media gods come over you and they make it go viral. Um, it's a sustained effort. You have to do it every single day. So what I always suggest to my book, which is, is okay, what is your favorite and what is your best lead, uh, lead generation tool? So is it, this, for example, Facebook? Okay, then every single day, we'll put in your agenda that you spend, for example, half an hour just reaching out to people, going into groups, publishing your posts, and so on. By having that really fixed on your agenda, um, you don't have any questions. So when you have a really difficult moment, you're just completely exhausted, don't know what to do. Well, actually, you switch on your computer, and there it is. It says, okay, you have to go on Facebook for half an hour to do this, 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 this. And I will help you to get over that difficult, uh, that difficult moment. So it's not all about just building the business it's also sustaining the business and sustaining in my opinion you can have the best foundation in your business have your niche your marketing your lead generation like everything is there and you as you need it but if you don't have that system in place to help you through the difficult moment there's no i mean it doesn't have any value i totally agree uh not just when there's a crisis but just day in and day out the the time management is so critical what tools do you use to make that work best for you uh for me very simple tool gmail calendar like yep. i have everything in my gmail calendar yeah and, and that's one of those things i really insist on as well you really don't need to make it complicated have something simple something that works for you even if it's just like you know a written calendar or a post-it or anything like that just make it very simple for yourself all right. I think that's great advice. I use the Google calendar as well. And it just, it's, it integrates with so many other things and it's so easy. And oh, yeah. And I love it. And I, I, I do like all those coloring. So yeah. everything on my agenda has a, <laughs> tell me what, what, what's the, do you put everything, like everything on your agenda, like me, and then you color it. I've actually gotten to some, some things are automatically colored. So the, the radio interviews, when they pop up on my calendar, like you came on to Calendilly and scheduled a radio interview with me and it 
then goes from Calendly into my calendar and it automatically appears green. Uh, and so I know that that's a fresh interview uh, is green. And then, uh, I'll, you know, some of my interviews are paid. Those are, uh, like, a orange type color going to the doctor is red. Um, I have categories for my colors in the, I probably use 10 or 15 colors. I oh guess yeah. 10. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Because you know, you give, you give a very good example. It's like, I pop up on your calendar green, then you immediately know, okay, this is an interview. You know, I can't cancel that the last minute or anything like this. Um, I need to do it. It's something that's there. It's, you know, it's fixed. Um, it's a great tool. I put in the yearly reminders too, for all the birthdays for the kids and you know, all of that too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. a good way. And my friends are always impressed that I remember their birthdays. I don't, um, I just have reminders. I don't remember my children's birthdays without reminders. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's H Jim. That's H. <laughs> no, it's having too many children over too many years. Listen to this on, I have children in three different decades two different centuries and two different millennia. Oh dear. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. You might need a calendar. Uh, I need a coach for that, huh? <laughs> so I want to ask a you a question. Reminder, coach. I want to uh, tell you my publishing story. And then you tell me on a scale of zero to a hundred, how rare this is. Okay. Like a okay, hundred okay. is that happens every day in zero. I don't really believe the story you're telling. Okay. So. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Yes. I have to concentrate here. Yeah. Yes, go for it. Go, go. So this is, we're playing for money. Okay. Uh, we're playing for money. Oh, oh, I love that. I right, love that so sound of it. <laughs> one of my friends heard a story and, uh, suggested that I, talk to a reporter about what I was doing. And so I contacted a reporter at the Atlanta journal constitution and they wrote a little article about a business that I had started. And the reporter said, you know, this is uh, a really great idea. I think this would be a book. And I said, well, great. I will co-author the book with you. If you go get a contract, I will write the book. And he's like, okay, can you write up a one page proposal? And I said, yes. And so I, I wrote him a one page proposal on the book. He called four days later on and said, we have a deal signed with McGraw Hill. Oh my God. That's amazing. He didn't go through a, an editor. He sort of, you know, he was a reporter, so he sort of was in the writing industry, you know, and he knew three or four people that he had met once or twice at McGraw Hill and sent them the one page proposal. They said yes and sent a contract back. So on a scale of you zero to a hundred, where is that? You know, Jim, I was going to say that is no, I would say like a, I don't want to give it like a 40. I think it would probably be a 50 because the first thing you said, you know, it's reported. So what I suspect is that he really well knew um, that there was a need for a book on a specific topic. And then, you know, you, you mentioned something very important, which is he knew the right people. And that's also something in every single business, right? Knowing the right people. So what I suspect that the reporter had the idea, um, had the contact, and was just waiting for the right person to come up with it. And that was you. So well done, Yim. You were the right person at the right time. Well, 
Then it fell apart. Once we got the contract, the guy we signed with, our editor quit and went to Penguin, and we got assigned another editor who didn't like our book idea. And for six uh, months, we piddled around, and then that person quit. And finally, the third person came in, and uh, we got the book published with them. But, you know, I was just hoping, you know, on in the movies, the the author and the editor are best friends. They go to dinner in New York City together. I've seen the movie. You know, it's I've seen the movie. I know, I know. We all seen the movie. <laughs> and I went to New York to meet my editor at McGraw Hill. She gave me thirty seconds. I was so hurt. Uh that that is that is a definitely hundred. I wanted to That's cry. That's how it is today. That yeah, I know, I know, right? What is your book about actually? It's the same as this radio show, School for Startups. It was a startup book. Oh, you know, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's a definitely hundred, you know, uh, that, that's also why the reason, you know, now when you have a book out, at least you have some support when you go through the process, you know, uh, it's so difficult and then you have those hundred rejections and you don't know what's going on. And then luckily you have your book out, you can go back and book out, okay, you have to change this and this and this. Like imagine if you would have had a book coach, maybe you could have done it yourself, you know, self-publishing, not even going to a publishing house and keep the royalties for yourself. Oh, there you have the money for me. Yep. Well, I did go the second book. I did get published by myself yeah. with a, a good house. And then book three and four, I published totally self-published because I didn't want anyone else to take any of the money. And so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we can find your books on the, on your website, right? Yep. Yep. On. Great stuff, and I, I love what your business is. I love the niche aspect of it. How do we find out more, follow you online, all that? Uh, well, I would like to play the quick 10 if we can. Okay. Oh, you want to play the quick 10? Yes, I want to play okay. the quick 10, of course. All right. We well, played great. for money. Now I want to play for fun. <laughs> all right. Do you want to accept the standard wager? What's the standard wager? It's the bet that everyone else makes. Oh, okay, yes, absolutely. Let's go for the bet. All right, great. Are you allowed to bet in Singapore or will they cane you? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's when I go too much to the casino. Ah, okay. Number one, your favorite creativity hack? Nothing. Number two, favorite bootstrapping <laughs> trick? I focus on the human, not the client. Number three, name your top passions. Uh, reading, crafting, all great, uh, Latin dance and swimming. Number four, the first three steps in starting a business are. Know your why, know your what, know your who. Number five, the best way to get your first real customer is. Reach out to your friends and family. Number six, your dreamiest technology is. ChatGPT. Number seven, best entrepreneurial advice. Do it. Number eight, worst entrepreneurial mistake. Quit your niche. Number nine, favorite entrepreneur and why? Uh, any entrepreneur out there who is uh, doing this difficult journey that we are all on. Number 10, favorite superhero. My kiddo. He has more boundaries at four than I have at 40. All right. While we calculate your score and find out the winner, how do we get in touch? Uh, you can find me on my website, so www.anlietemperer.com. 
Um, and if they mention your name, which is Jim, they get 20% of my coaching packages. Oh, how nice. Thank you. We will make sure people know about that. We'll post that as well. All right. Oh, Ad, I've just been giving your score. Oh, I'm so sorry. Our English Japanese judge dinged you a little bit. And, uh, and so you got a 94, which is an excellent score, but unfortunately you have to have a 95 to win. I have to have a, a 95 to win. Oh, so no. unfortunately you lose, but you owe us a Tesla. We always play for a Tesla. That's the wager. So I, I look forward to you sending me a Tesla. Well, that will be difficult, but I can send you an NFT on Tesla though. That'll work. Sure. An NF. Yeah. Worth about $75,000. That'll work. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't, don't look down on an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I do. I do. The NFT to me is still silly. So anyway, thank you so much for being with us. Great stuff. That's, that's, I love what you're doing. Congratulations on a great business. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk with a bioengineer next in just a second. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back. And again, thank you so very, very much for being with us. We sure do appreciate you, loyal listeners. Very excited to introduce another great guest. Please welcome Dustin Baker to the show. He is a biotech entrepreneur. He is the founder of a company called Bio. Uh, make sure I get this right because it's the URL. Biopro. Oh, bioproteintech.com. Bioproteintech.com. He has over a decade of experience and his passion is for optimizing human health. And I'm excited to welcome you to the show. Dustin, welcome. How are you doing? I'm great, Jim. How are you doing, buddy? I'm really well. I understand almost nothing about your industry. So <laughs> uh, you're dealing with a moron here. So be gentle, okay? Jim, that's okay. I am uh, quite a moron myself. I'm just a really lucky guy who fell into the right place at the right time. All right. What place is that? So exactly what are you doing? I don't understand. Explain the model. Explain the business. Yeah, so... Correct. So I own a company called Bioprotein Technology. What we do is we make alternatives to synthetic prescription drug treatments, specifically in the hormone and endocrinology space. So our big, our big claim to fame and our, our big popular product internationally is a it's called BioPro Plus, and it is a non-synthetic alternative to human growth and peptide treatments, human growth hormone and peptide treatments. Okay, I don't know what those are either. Is that a <laughs> okay. a workout steroid? So no, no, it's not in, in the, in the medical world, it is very popular these days to offset the, uh, the issues with aging, like your skin sagging, unwanted weight gain, low libido, low energy, and a very normal thing to do is to go to the doctor and have your hormones tested. 
most of which will be low because they, dec they decline every single year after you finish puberty. It's a normal thing. And many times a synthetic drug, a hormone replacement, literally a synthetic drug that replaces the hormone, your natural hormone that you would produce, uh, is administered and it helps to bring you up to those levels. The issue is, is that a lot of individuals are either not candidates for the synthetic drugs and or they're not interested in being uh, dependent on a synthetic drug like that. That comes with potential side effects like cardiac issues, insulin issues, different problems that come along with it. So we make a non-synthetic alternative that provides the same benefits without replacing your hormones or using any type of synthetic drugs. Okay. Synthetic means created, right? So non-synthetic means you're using natural. I'm you got it. So okay. you got, no, you're absolutely right. You got it. So Synthetic drugs are created um, in a lab, and they are typically, um, there's different kinds of synthetic drugs. Human growth hormone is created by recumbent DNA. Um, peptides are non-naturally created amino acid chains that stimulate uh, growth hormone production, whereas we are extracting the end result of both of those products called growth factors, which are just cell signals. They are very specific proteins. We are extracting them from another mammal, and because they are molecularly identical to what your body produces so they're the exact same you can ingest them and take them as a human being and your body does not incur any of the negative side effect because it's noticing them as exactly its own so you don't have to deal with any of the problems all right so you mentioned going and getting tested one of my friends i'm 56 one of my friends a little younger than me uh, confided that he had low testosterone and so he I uh, was taking, I don't know what. And so I got tested because I was afraid and I didn't have low testosterone. I had really low B12, I think. And I have to take B12 shots now. I don't even know what any of that means or any of it, but <laughs> this is what you're talking about, right? You're talking about my friend who went and got tested. My friend, it sounds like I'm lying. And it is, I'm, I'm not a will. <laughs> I, I swear it was my friend. I swear. Worse, I swear it was somebody else. B12, <laughs> Dustin, my B12 is more embarrassing than low T. Yeah, that's not as, uh, that's not as common, but, um, it, listen, having a, having low hormone levels are just a part of life, but this is exactly what your friend did. So it's very common these days. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a shock that anybody wakes up at 44 years old or 54 has low energy or doesn't look like they used to in the mirror. And they want to many times that can be correlated to, uh, declining hormone levels, whether you're a male or woman or, um, you know, whatever. So that, that's exactly the world that we plan. And that's exactly, um, what our products help with. All right. How did you discover all of this? What's your background and what's your level of involvement? Are you hiring scientists? Are you the scientist? You sound like, you know what you're talking about. So you're, you could be the scientist. What, how does the science so, happen? Absolutely. So these products were actually created by a, um, a chemist and, um, a biology, a biology guy here. I mean, years and years ago in, uh, over 10, over 10 years ago, a decade ago, uh, he worked for a lab. He was doing all kinds of testing and stuff for hospitals. And that was his, that was his trade. And he wanted to bring, um, this type of science to be used primarily domestically in the United States because it had been being done overseas. And so he did just that. He created a lab here in Florida 
uh, him and his brother, and they created these formulas. And I was actually a user of the products from about 2014. So I was a normal customer and user. And throughout my entrepreneurial ventures, some successes and some failures, um, I was looking for the next venture. And I decided this was a company that I truly believed in, and they were doing um, great work. And I wanted to help get it to the rest of the world. So I acquired the company in 2018. And we're five years down the road and uh, we're in over 40 different countries and we have physicians providing these products from here to Canada to South Africa and, you know, so on and so forth. Is this by uh, prescription only? What's your distribution channel? Sure. So actually it's not, it's technically over the counter, but we do provide it only one of two ways. You can go to any one of our clinics or providing clinics. So we do have a, a long list of providing physicians that, you know, procure their products from us. We provide them to them and they provide them directly to their patient over the counter in their clinical offices. Or we have created our own. One of the beauties of COVID was, um, you know, adapting and overcoming. So we invested in a infrastructure that provides the products via our website and on the internet, and you can get it directly from us either way. Um, they're going to be the exact same product. You can either get it from us in about two days, or you can drive to your local clinic, uh, talk to your doc and, and get one right then and there. But this is something I would only do if a doctor told me to, right? I don't take human growth hormone if I just want to feel better. Is that true? So not so not necessarily. If you're going to take a prescription synthetic drug, yes, you have to go to a physician. The issue with hormone drugs like growth hormone or even peptides now, which are they are just growth hormone stimulants. They secrete, they stimulate the pituitary gland to create more. Is they're heavily, heavily regulated on the FDA. In fact, so much so that even your most popular peptides were um, banned back in November of last year, which has provided quite the market for us. Um, so it, even if you can go see a physician, you might not actually be able to get a hold of it. The, the great part about our products is for individuals who aren't necessarily interested in going to the doctor, but are interested in feeling the benefits they can get our product directly and start there. So actually a lot of our, uh, what we call patients or users decide to forego the physician experience and test and use our products for the benefits without having to go see a doc. All right. And how are you marketing? How does do you market only through doctors? That's a really hard thing to do without getting in trouble. There's some law I know it, I don't remember the name of it right now. So there are, yeah. So the doctors we, are not allowed to market or give away stuff. Well, they're, well, they're allowed. Uh, the physicians are allowed to market their services and protocols. They absolutely can do that. Whether it's um, specific types of drugs, like, you know, Zempic is very popular right now. And, and whether it's, we were just talking about peptides, they absolutely can market those services as well as ours via their own different channels. Um, we primarily market to physicians and we do that through either direct sales, right? So we have salespeople that call on physicians, just like a normal pharmaceutical rep and or we market directly to the users of the larger, broader range of audiences through podcasting, through digital advertising, through, um, we have a huge word of mouth channel. And frankly, um, our social media is quite popular because of our popularity and brand awareness within the military, DOD communities, the combat sports communities, and um, the medical communities. Interesting. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, those are the sort of people that would know, I guess. 
Yeah, so we've actually been blind tested by certain factions of even the FBI with some of their teams and got stamps of approval. And it's actually been quite interesting because um, we aren't allowed to advertise um, the same way a lot of other direct to consumer brands are allowed to advertise. We are because of the nature of the products. So we've had to figure out ways to get to our audiences without necessarily going through the normal channels of like a, a meta or Google advertising. Right. Interesting. And what about the finance piece of the business? So, well, first of all, how big is the organization? How, how many people does it take to support that 40 countries? I think you said, uh, really impressive. Uh, how big a company are we talking about? Not really that large from an internal perspective. We're more of a, what I would call a management company. So we are more mostly C-suite executives who, we manage the actual fulfillment of our products and the marketing and distribution of our products, but we outsource all of our actual mar uh, manufacturing. So we do none of our own manufacturing. We outsource that to a lab and a company here in town. Um, they use our formulas and, and do our fills and stuff like that. The same with all of our paper production, et cetera. And then we have multiple different types of marketing teams, whether that's email marketing, whether that's podcast marketing, whether that's uh, we have agents who handle our endorsement campaigns. We have um, PR companies that do all of our PR. That's how I'm speaking with you right now. So all in all, we actually only have six employees here that work for bioprotein technology. And then the overall team is, I mean, probably closer to over 50 to do all of those different things. Right. Well, I assumed that you would outsource your manufacturing because I've been to, sure. uh, factories where things like this are produced. So I I've seen yeah. that and I know that space a, a little bit um sure so I mean, we're actually building you could outsource the manufacturing to right hundreds of choices well yes and no um this is a to manufacture and to create our products are very specific and it is a very high labor cost uh, a lot of manufacturers aren't actually willing to take on the type of labor that it takes to create our type of product so it does limit it has to be like all clean room stuff, right? Guys in white suits and face shields and all that stuff, right? There's all there's all kinds of different uh, rules and regulations. Uh, that's why the FDA exists and we're fully FDA compliant. Um, there is all kinds of record keeping and all that type of stuff. We're actually in the process of vertically integrating right now and working on building our own um, everything from raw material sourcing and extractions to, um, slowly building that manufacturing process. So we're actually looking at taking that within a, within house as well. All right. Go back even further. How did you come into the medical space? Weren't you a model <laughs> a modeling agency for kids or something or no, no, I was not a, uh, I was a model. Yes. For years, I was a model for about nine, uh, nine or 10 years. Um, I did not run an agency or anything like that. I, I was, uh, managed were, by an agency. You were the model yourself. I was trying to, I didn't want to say, you know, God, you're so handsome. You were the model. <laughs> Thank I'm you. trying to figure out a way to, you know, give you an out to say, Oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not a 10, you know, so. No, no, no. I, uh, I was part of the talent pool. Yes. Um, which is maybe uh, credit to my product. And I've been using the product way before I owned the company during those same years. So I like to think I hung on to some of those uh, marketable looks through the process, but realistically I, I was in the health and fitness space. So I was a model and then I also did training and 
I, early in my career, I had done well at running other individuals' gyms and creating sales processes that, that were quite successful for them. And I was picked up by a national franchise that specialized in performance athletics, uh, professional football, Canadian football, national football league, in-season, off-season training, um, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And then I ended up actually creating my own fitness facility and concept. Why sales through all those processes, remember I was using these formulas and I was actually implementing them through each one of those different ventures, whether it was through professional athletes and whether it was through an, uh, an older or aging pool or uh, populace of fitness goers and weekend warriors and, and even on myself and across broad ranges and, and different populations, the products always works quite very, very well. We're always super effective and super safe. So I knew that there was absolutely something there. And when I was, like I said earlier, when I was leaving that, uh, my last venture and I was looking for my next opportunity, I, this was just something that, you know, kept kind of knocking on my door and I was like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this better. And I know that, um, I know that there's something here and I know there's something really, really big here that the world just doesn't know about. And I wanted to be the individual to, to get it to the rest of the world. And that's what we have done. And that's what we will continue to do. Where, do, where does this end up, Dustin? What do you think the upper limit of the human body is? You know, there's this guy out in California that's supposedly spending $2 million a year to try to live, to, you know, forever. He's monitors every single thing about his life. You know, I don't know if you've seen the yep, articles yep. about him. I have, I have, I have. I don't remember what his name is right now. Uh, how do we get to everyone lives to a hundred? Do we get to everyone lives to 200 do we end up with spare parts that we grow in so, a lab in our own freezer or 3d print our own liver uh so jim where do we first and up? foremost I, first and foremost jim I, I don't actually want any of those things um I, I what i what i focus on and what my passion is is not you know, giving people the ability to live to 200. I look at it the other way. I, I want to help people give their lives back that they used to have. I want them to feel great about themselves. I want them to be happy when they look in the mirror. I want them to be confident within themselves, whether that's mentally and physically. It's, it, it's irrelevant to me if somebody wants to live to 200. That's not my goal in life. My goal is to help individuals get back the way that they used to feel, to feel great about themselves right now, Right, you know, as they look in the mirror now, whether you're 34, 44, 54, 64, or 74, I want you to feel great and I want you to be happy with who you are. Whether you want to live to 100 or 200, that's that's phenomenal. You know, do your thing. But I'm more, you know, presently speaking, wanting to increase the quality of your life now. Um, our product by design does not have the ability to go outside of your most optimized or normal um, parameters. When you look at synthetic drugs, they have the ability by design to take you into an abnormal space. We don't want to put you into an abnormal space. We want to optimize your capabilities here and now and put you at a level of 100, never at 101, never at 102, never at 150. Because when you start to go above into the abnormal space, you start to incur the negative side effects associated with that. And that's where your cardiac risks come in. That's when you start to mess with insulin levels. That's, that's when you start to have problems and that's not what we're in business for. And that's not what we want to do. I like that. It's a really good philosophy, Dustin. Uh, 
that's defendable and I can really respect that. So well, well stated. Thank you. I heard that you were willing to play our game, the quick 10. I am. I will be as quick as I possibly can be, but um, I absolutely am prepared to play your game. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you're in Florida, right? Yes, sir. All right. So I am required by Governor DeSantis to ask, are you currently sober? I am. In fact, uh, I'm three years sober as of last weekend. Oh, well, congratulations. Would you, you like to accept the standard wager? The reason we have to know if you're sober is because now you can accept the standard. Wager. <laughs> oh, so I can make a, I can make a legal agree binding agreement via That's my right. voice over the phone. Um, I mean, I'd like to hear what the wager is, but I'm a, I'm a risky fellow. Okay. I, I probably will accept Number one, your favorite creativity hack. Silence. No one sits in silence anymore. The world is constant noise. And, and if you sit in silence and let your brain actually do what it does best, which is think you'll, uh, you'll overcome a lot of your problems and um, you'll be surprised how many creative ideas pop up. Number two, favorite bootstrapping trick. Read, learn how to do all your basic needs from a business, whether it's sales, marketing, operations, accounting, learn how to do it yourself first. This will not only save you cash, but will show you what you do and don't need. So when you're ready to hire somebody else or an agency, you won't get scammed or hire the wrong person. Number three, name your top passions. Uh, my faith is number one. My family is number two. Working out is number three. Uh, I train MMA, which is number four. And my fifth is my actual own business. Number four, the first three steps in starting a business are... Uh, the first step, number one, 100% is learn to sell. The second step is identify a product or service you love and actually use that works. And then the third is to make sure you can actually provide it to others profitably. Number five, the best way to get your first real customer is... Cold calling. Nobody wants to do this anymore. Nobody wants to pick up a phone. Nobody wants to make a call. Nobody wants to walk into a business and pitch somebody. Um, but you got to reach out to people. You won't know what your perfect pitch is or who your perfect customer is until you fail a lot. Number six, your dreamiest technology is? Uh, honestly, I don't have one. I personally wish there was less technology. I think it's gone way too far. Number seven, <laughs> best entrepreneurial advice? Uh, recurring revenue. Recurring revenue is key. So provide a product or service that is that recurs every single month. Each sale is typically 3 to 10x more uh, over time than a one-time sale. Your marketing dollars will go a lot further. Your business will grow a lot faster. And your business will be valued at a higher multiple than a single sale item. Number eight, worst entrepreneurial mistake. Uh, thinking I could skip the hard work by swinging for the fences. So focus on building a real profitable and sustainable business first, not just one that looks that way. Uh, do the work, build it brick by brick, um, and you'll thank me later. <laughs> Number nine, favorite entrepreneur and why? Uh, it's probably unpopular, but me. Not because I think I'm great, because I know I'm not, but if you don't believe in yourself first, then why would anybody else believe in you? So also, there's a lot of what looks like successful people out there entrepreneurially, but um, I don't actually know their financials or what their true ethical and moral decisions they've used to get where they are. So I know at least I can take solace in myself. And finally, number 10, favorite superhero. I like Batman uh, because he didn't actually have any superpowers. He used his money and influence to for the betterment of his community, even if the community as a whole didn't always deserve it. He was he wasn't all talk. He walked the walk. Wow, fantastic answers, Dustin. Just great information. Well, while we calculate your score and find out the winner of the wager, tell us how we can find out more from you and acquire some protein. Is it protein plus? 
did you say? Uh, so it's the name of the product is called BioPro Plus. The name of my company is called Bioprotein Technology. I was going for the BioPro Plus. That's what we want. BioPro right? Plus is the yes, sir. BioPro Plus is the uh, is the brand, is the look, is the product. All right, and that's BioProteinTech.com. You got it. All right. I just loved some of your answers. I'd never heard anyone say creativity silenced. Everyone else talks about going and, you know, mowing the lawn or shaving or something like that. That was a great answer. Uh, number five, your cold call answer. I absolutely loved it. I just want to brag about my son. He is in sales and he, his pet peeve has become, they get 50 leads a week. I think this is two jobs ago, but he was getting 50 leads a week and he would make every single 50 calls Monday morning without getting a million percent. I know guys that are in the sports business that, that uh, sell ticketing and season passes and stuff that man, if you don't make a hundred calls by noon, you don't have a chair when you get back from lunch. I mean, it's cold calling and is the key. And I love your answer for favorite entrepreneur and your defense of it. That was excellent and uh oh, a really you. great answer i've never heard that before but that was fantastic i loved your answer dustin so really great stuff thank oh, you jim oh, thank you Dustin. i've just been giving your score oh despite your excellent answers you only got a 94 a 94 oh. the judge from miami dinged you uh I have a Miami judge and they dinged you. And so unfortunately 94 is an excellent score, but that's a losing score. You have to have a 95 uh, to win. And so that's standard for me. Uh, I'm so, so <laughs> sorry. You owe us a Tesla, Dustin, a Tesla. Oh man. Well, you can get them pretty cheap. They're actually some of the fastest appreciating cars on the market. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure I can find us. one. You owe us. Yeah, that's so fine. You can get yeah, I hear cheaply you. for us. Oh right, yeah. hundred percent. That's what I meant. Yes. <laughs> Dustin, great stuff. Really appreciate you being with us and love to have you back. No, oh, thank you so much, Jim. I would be happy to be a guest again if you would have me. Fantastic. You hear the music and know what it means. We're out of time. We're back next week. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Take care. Bye now.